Jen's episode was the first in-person interview I conducted. We also recorded this in early February during her visit to California. Jen and I met through a mutual friend at a meditation slash Reiki meetup on a military base of all places. Jen opens up about her anxiety and rigid upbringing. For her, living with no regrets means following your intuition. Listen as we discuss how to find joy in life and not having to live within societal norms. Enjoy. Hi, Jen. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. And I'm so glad that you came to California to visit me. (laughs) (laughs) How are you enjoying your time so far? Good. I mean, it's colder than usual. Yes. So. <laughs> we've had more rain than we've had in, like like you said, the last seven years or something in the last two weeks. So I brought it all from the East Coast for you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about this endeavor that I want to do, this podcast. And so we always have these philosophical, you know, conversations about life and things. And so you're definitely one person that I wanted to speak to on um, our soul's journey and our life path. So first I want to give our listeners a little bit of like, where do you live? Where are you from? How old are you? Where are you at in life? And kind of how we met so we can give the the listener a visual. Sure. So, um, I am currently living in Delaware at the beach, which it, it is a state, I promise. Um, and I am 32 years old. So where am I at at life? I feel like that is always a huge question. I'm in sales. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Uh, those would be labels, I guess, that I could give myself. But um, I would say I'm, I'm right in the center of my journey, probably at one of the more honest times in my space, uh, working through some of my anxiety. And um, I think finding out... Behaviors that I've done in the past, I've moved a lot. I moved 10 times in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And I got really used to that. And I'm trying to figure out why it's so hard for me to settle down um, or if I should be settling down. So I guess that would be my best explanation of where I am. But when you say settle down, uh, I think most people, and I maybe I'm speaking too generally for people, settling down is getting married and having a kid. But you're talking in a physical sense, staying in one place. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, definitely talking physical because I am married with one kid, so I guess in that way I'm already settled down and I'm an old lady. Oh, jeez. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say what I, I mean by that is probably career-wise, and I do enjoy moving. I think one of the things I found out about myself during the journey is either I enjoy moving or I like getting away from things so that I don't have to stay and deal with them. Not sure which one it is yet. Um, you asked me another question. How did we meet? Um, so that the listener is aware, we lived in California together uh, about, That's right. God, like seven years ago maybe now? Well, we met at Fort Irwin. We, mm-hmm. um, you were a military spouse at the time. I am since divorced from that one. <laughs> yes. So on to, yeah. You were a military spouse and I worked for the military, We for the Army. Um, you know, your husband was a soldier. I worked for the Army. And we met because we worked for the same organization but not necessarily in the same office. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I ran the nightclub and you were in the uh, marketing department. Yes. So we did have to work 
in tandem, but we actually met at a Reiki healing. Yes. On a military post, which is probably something people wouldn't expect. But yeah. It uh, yeah. We met, we met through work and I remember finding that meet, it was a meetup and I remember, oh, was it? yeah, it was a meetup and I found Angela, her name was Angela. Um, she was another military spouse and she was holding like meditation and I thought that's really odd. For military housing, yeah. you know, so I met her and then I started inviting some people and that's, I think, how we got close was... Well, my next door neighbor, Stephanie, worked in your oh, office. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's and right. so she yes. invited her and she kind of, in an extension that's of that, right. invited me. That's right. Um, so that's how I ended up at this strange thing that you all called Reiki and I had no idea what that was. Um, ended up falling in love pretty quickly with it, but... It was wonderful. That's how we met. And yeah. And we started actually hanging out after that. That's right. Okay, yeah. Reiki's like an energy healing, a, a different, like a, just a specific modality of energy healing. Mm -hmm. And she did a bunch of that. And we tried like looking at other people's aura, each other's auras. And we did a bunch of meditation, if I remember correctly. Did we yeah, do and her house always smelled so good. Yeah, she like she had these it. diffusers or something with like oils. Yeah, it's she, my main memory of, yeah. of Angela. <laughs> yeah, she did a lot of uh, a lot of things with essential oils mm -hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, that was a really good time, and I'm so glad that we had that made that connection, and then we've stayed friends. Yeah, and that's been gosh seven years. Yeah. At and least. you've stayed put in California, and in the meantime, I have moved from the New York area to the Pennsylvania area <laughs> to the Delaware area, and you've visited me each step of the way. <laughs> yes, I have. Well, I want to go back to the moving, and um, either you're either trying to figure out if you're trying to run for something or if you feel like you just like moving. Mm-hmm. So would you say, and part of this theme is, you know, the, the what we should do. Mm -hmm. Do you feel... That people tell you that you should stay put and you need to find yourself and make a decision right now and stay there forever? Or do, do you think people look at you oddly that you like to move and like, oh my gosh, you have a family now. What about Raina? What about, you know, it, it, do people give you that kind of sense or they tell you? Yeah, I guess in some ways verbatim, right? So it's kind of... <laughs> You should not move anymore. <laughs> you really need to stop moving. Um, it's costing you a lot of money. You're never staying put in one place. How will you ever know? It takes a year to adjust. It's healthier for Raina to be in the same school system, which, you know, some of the things that they are telling me are probably true, right? I mean, it does cost a lot of money to move, and it does... Um, you know, of course, bring questions into mind. What is the healthiest and the best way for a child? Uh, and I think, you know, I have both sides of those answers are yes and no. Is it healthier to raise a child in the same place? Well, if that place makes you happy, probably. But if you prefer to move around and you like to travel, I don't see how that wouldn't be a really good experience for a kid as well. So. Right. I think like actually going to these historical landmarks mm -hmm. throughout our country or even overseas is way better than I don't have children myself, but I would think that them experiencing that history firsthand versus reading it in a textbook, I would think is more of a life experience versus just learning something, regurgitating, spinning it back out on a test and then moving on. Right. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before. I think one of my <clears throat> biggest fears is that my daughter will end up feeling the same way I do about life sometimes, which is that it's a struggle and that I'm anxious about everything. And part of that anxiety is coming from 
the societal shoulds, which I agree with lots of, you know, philosophers on. Should is probably the worst word in the English language um, because as a society, we've created a place where people feel trapped constantly. And if there's one thing that I like wake up in the middle of the night, like I cannot have my daughter feel like she's limited in where she goes. She has to stay put because that's what's expected of her. She's got to have a certain career so that she makes a certain amount of money. That she has to work a nine to five and have health insurance in order to be a viable human being. And these are all things that I think drive me nuts um, and create anxiety for me, which is, I think we've talked about this in length. I mean, I struggle a lot with anxiety. I've done a lot over the years and I've come a long way, but I would, I would be not telling the truth if I said the anxiety certainly comes from having a certain rebellious feeling towards that, like, you should, you have to stop doing that feeling that everybody does, then everybody gives you. And it's, it's interesting because I look back and we take so much from our parents and, you know, we take so much information from what they do and I love my parents to death. They are some of my favorite people in the world, but I, they weren't happy. They were never happy. And I, I think they obviously had moments of joy, but they saved all their money and then vacationed when they were older and sick. Oh Yeah. And I always looked and said like, that can't be the example or the answer. Right. And yet, I still find myself in a nine-to-five, well-paying job, and would prefer. But you're to live struggling, in. like I'm you're struggling, struggling like it, yeah. internally, not like financially or violently. No, not but struggling just, like that at but all. You have a lot of anxious because mm -hmm. that's not what you're meant to be, and that's part of I believe, like our limiting beliefs, right? Sure. We're we're picking up our beliefs that our parents instilled on us as children. Mm -hmm. And so your parents were like that. So you've kind of, you know, absorbed some of those beliefs, right? That you have to do the nine to five and have a good job and put all your money away and buy a house and even a bigger house. And yeah, <laughs> we could yeah. go on. And, and I've on. done all of it. So. <laughs> and, and yet, again, you're not where you want to be. And I wonder, it, this makes me wonder how many people feel the same way, but just don't admit it. Well, one of my favorite quotes is... Um, and I, maybe I'm, I'm misspeaking, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, but it is, it says that he believes that everyone lives in quiet desperation. Oh, who said um, that, Gina? Thoreau. Oh, okay. Yep. And um, I look at that and I say, yeah, like you could see it in your parents. You could see it in your sisters. You could see it in your friends sometimes when you are playing too much by the rules that, I mean, very honestly, they don't really make sense, right? We're animals. We have wants and desires. And I think... Anxiety again, and I'll go to Freud, someone who's pretty controversial, but I like him yeah. um, as a psychologist, <laughs> is I think the imbalance comes from our instinct not being given enough of a voice and too much of that like created superego, if you will, or I guess if, for people who don't know Freud, just like your persona or what sure. you put out into society, the yep. acceptable self. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're just too much there, right? Like we're too concentrated on the acceptable self. And not concentrating enough on the instinctual self. And I am certainly, like, that is where my anxiety lies. Or has lied more in the past. Like, I think at least now I have words and a voice for it. In the past, I think I created crazy reasons for why I was feeling so anxious. Um, but now I think it's just very honestly, we have these instincts that kind of tell us where we should go or what we enjoy. And we continuously silence them. They're just strange. And we silence them, I guess, because we want to be safe. Right. But, like, nothing's really safe, right? I mean, I could lose my job tomorrow. Sure. 
So it's interesting that you say, you know, um, a few minutes ago about the word trapped. We feel trapped. Mm. And so you know that what you're doing is probably not your soul's purpose or it isn't your soul's purpose Mm -hmm. for sure. So there's a sense of feeling trapped. But then we've also talked about, like, I don't know what to do. We're so ingrained in this, like, linear, okay, I, you know, I got married. I had a kid. Mm -hmm. I'm buying a house. I'm, you know, I have the good job. I make the six-figure income and I'm providing for my family that we're so – we don't even know where we want to go. We don't even know what we want because – We've been taught. Well, and it's so interesting. So I think you'll remember back, um, what was it, two years ago now, I was in the same situation. I had a phenomenal career, one of the first female youngest directors for a company. I freaked out. I realized very quickly, I think with the inspiration of my beautiful three-year-old daughter, Mm -hmm. that that was not right for me. I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to be a good woman. And I didn't find that in my career. So I was like so inspired. I quit my job and applied for <laughs> a different one. Ended up making more money at this job and ending up right back in a career where it's like there's lots of money flowing and I am completely uninspired. Wow. And it's we're very cyclical people. I mean, I mean, if there's one thing I can give myself and others. We are extremely cyclical. Right. Mm-hmm. Where did you think you? What did you want to be when you grew up? Like, you know, I think that was part of the problem. I never knew, and there were certain things I thought I loved, so I loved to write. I would sit up when I was a little girl and just, like, write for hours and dream. So I loved that, and I've always really liked being outside. So I think there was always, like, kind of just, like, something outside would be great. Um, But a lot of people, including teachers and those stupid tests. Did you ever take those tests where they, like, have you fill out questionnaires, and it tells you, like, what – your strengths oh yes you should do with your life yeah I think I got um air traffic controller like the most stressful job on the planet mm. I don't know how I so like my qualities didn't play into anything so even that questionnaire didn't oh know really me. like they wow. were like you could be this 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 and this I don't think I did any of them I ended up in sales because I was lost and again money is attractive <laughs> so, um but you are good at it you are I, good. Yeah. I and I if I I think we've said this if I were selling something I believed in I think I would be better. Sure. Um, so it's I think it's interesting, but yeah. So I think the trapped comes from one maybe not really ever knowing what I wanted to do and finding myself stuck in places that were like kind of just where I had to be to survive. Right. I mean survival, paying for your bills. You do have a kid. You do have a family. Um, so that becomes, you know, a major driver. And also just trusting that you'll be okay with, like, lower income is sure. scary. It's scary, but I think you have to change your lifestyle in order sure. to do that. You can't have the, you can't expect to have the same lifestyle and make less money. Absolutely. So it's about a whole lifestyle change, right? Right. And that would be – in fact, that would be welcomed at this point. I think where I end up um, and where a lot of people end up just kind of, like, going on – is that the fear outweighs the trust that it will be okay yeah. and that you can make those changes. And I think it's how – and then I think what happens with me at least, and I'm sure you've had it and lots of – you'll be having a very bad week or a bad month. And you will know 100% I need to get out. And this could probably happen with like relationships, you know, jobs, friendships. Correct. I need to get out. This isn't healthy. This right. isn't where I want to be. 
and then something amazing will happen at that said thing, right? So like in the relationship, in the job, and they're like, oh, I could totally make this work. And it's amazing how forgetful we are. So we're cyclical oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're forgetful. <laughs> well, change is hard. Mm -hmm. Change is hard for a lot of people. Change, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with change. And then making a conscious decision to change, I think, is even harder, more challenging for people to be like, I'm going to change. What is everybody going to think of me? I mean, I know, I know yeah. from a fact, like, I spent the summer in Alaska. I got laid off. And I'm going, I'm going to Alaska. Everybody's like, why the hell are you going to Alaska? Like, why would you want to do that? It's like, why not? And you remember, I was the opposite. I was like, yes, why am I not in Alaska? <laughs> you know, like, everybody thought I was so weird. You're going to put yourself in a storage, you know, pack up your apartment and go. Yeah, why not? I got laid off. I'm not working. I'm getting a severance. 12 weeks in Alaska. How's that going to hurt? You know, I'm going to make, a, you know, eight bucks an hour and I can pay my bills. Why do you care? Mm -hmm. But it's so against the grain that people are like, oh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's really it's it's strange. But then the more I read stories, a lot more people are doing it. And then I think those people that say something, I mean, I could, again, I'm generalizing here. They're angry because they can't do it or they don't have the guts to do it or there's a fear. A hundred percent. And they're kind of projecting onto you this. Um, well, jealousy, one, right? I mean, they would like to be able to do those things sure. and they can't, um, cause they can't move past their like belief system. Um, but I always looked at that Alaska trip and, you know, I, I still say to myself, why not? Why not? I mean, God knows when we're all going to be here till, but I think the problem for me, while I'm very impressed with people that can do it. Because I don't know what it feels like and because I was raised in such a kind of a rigid expectation space of, you know, these are the grades that you get. These are the degrees that are acceptable. This is the money that you need to have to have the, you know, to have security. You need to have a 401k. And you need to have a retirement plan at 20 years old. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. It's very strange. Um, and that's everything you need. Like, it was never in my space to think about traveling or even, you know, take the physical traveling out, even like digging into the self and figuring out like, what speaks to me? Like, forget all of the job and forget the money and forget all this external stuff. Like, what actually makes me happy? That was just not a question. It wasn't a question in school. It wasn't a question in my house. And I don't want anyone to miss it. I had a great childhood, great, beautiful, wonderful parents. Um, very blessed. But... I also know that those just were not conversations. And there honestly was like that feeling that like life is a struggle. Work is hard. Oh, my Money yeah. doesn't come yep. easily. You have to be really careful. I mean, those are all beliefs. Mm -hmm. You have to work hard. You know, money doesn't come easily. And then we strive and strive and strive. But then what's enough? Right? When is it enough? Sure. And I think one of the things that maybe I've never realized this before is ironically for me money has come fairly easily I have kind of fallen into jobs where it's good money I mean and sure. life is not kind of like money is okay and yet one I still have severe anxiety around money right and two it's not the answer which is scary because you were taught that money is the answer right money, right you have money you have security you're good to go and you get it, and you're like, uh, I'm still really anxious about everything all the time. So that was not solving anything. Right. <laughs> and on top of it, you usually spend more when you have more, so you end up yeah. in a 
pretty you crappy buy houses situation. That are, yeah. You buy houses that are too big, and then you have to buy furniture to fill it. And yeah. we've talked about, you know, buying more than you need and space. And No, we talked about, I mean, it's interesting. It's like, crazy. I recently purchased, you know, a, a house to build. And the pressure from outside people to get more space was unbelievable. Oh, it's only 20 grand more. You really should build that basement. You really need to do this. And it's... Why? Uh, wait, I, I don't know. We can we can fit on the one floor. We're, we're fine. I mean, you're going to be like three bedroom, two bath already. Was yeah. it 2,200 square feet? Yeah. And you need more space? Right. Exactly. And those are the expectations. Bigger is better. But it's not. I mean, I guess if there's one thing I'm learning, it, it's not better. It doesn't do anything. But do you think, too, like having a bigger house is puts you... It just shows that you have more security do you think it's like a physical representation of how good your life is in a yeah, sense yeah I would say like what I said before right so everyone's walking around with this like quiet desperation and we all create in our heads what the solution is and so for some people it's more money more and more and more consume 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 right and for some people they I think mistake not understanding their life purpose for having low self-esteem and they think mm. that if I can make myself look amazing and people think I'm amazing then then I'm amazing right um and then again as everyone's seen you get this huge house <laughs> you get this really nice car um you have all the status in the world and you're acceptable by society standards and you're still on seven different antidepressant drugs and oh my gosh, super yes. unhappy yeah. So that's clearly not the answer either, right? Right. Bigger house, better neighborhood, doesn't really matter. Right, right. And that's ironic because where I live right now is very much that. It's a beach area um, where – and the job that I work, because it is a high-paying sales job, is extraordinarily money-focused, looks-focused. Um, so, you know, finding a voice and finding kind of a comfort in that environment for an individual like me who probably thinks way too much and, you know, wants more out of life, wants real joy, um, isn't the healthiest of environments. Sure. Sure. So, um, you came to California. I know you wanted to visit me, but (laughs) (laughs) really, um, you know, Delaware is like we just said in the beginning, you know, has been having really bad weather and you wanted to come to California for some sunshine and, we have sun today, but it's been pretty gloomy the last couple of days and raining and things. But you wanted, you feel like California is the root of who you are, just with the sunshine and the beaches and the grounding and the spirituality, if you will. Um, and we've talked a lot about all these things, about what we're going to do so that we're not so anxious and build the life that we we want. So what... Um, you've had a few days here. Have you thought introspectively what you're going to do when you get home or what you're going to start with, you know, not to overwhelm you, but just baby steps, you know, what, what do you want to do when you get home? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, finding joy starts a little less romantically probably than we would all like, right? So it's, it's actually super tangible. So it's hard work though, too. It's hard work. And a lot of being honest with yourself. Would Mm -hmm. you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think I think opening up, talking, I think those things are very important. So I'd say, like, you know, what did this trip do? Ironically, again, I didn't get sunshine. I probably did need it, and there was moments of severe grumpiness. Um, yes. But I would say more than anything, disrupting the day-to-day is super important sometimes. I think if there's one thing I've learned that it is that 
disrupting that space is important. I didn't have hardly any screen time. I think that that played a really good role. And I remember living here. I wasn't big on the screen time. I was outside constantly. And so that is definitely another kind of element of bringing back that to Delaware. Um, and then from like a really kind of just, again, not romantic, but if sunshine is so important to me, we talked about like getting a sunshine lamp and, you know, spending more time outside. And I think, so that's like the short term kind of immediate. You get home, these are the changes. I need to meditate more. I need to be more in my space. I need to talk to someone probably about some of the remaining um, fears or sadness or anything I need to talk through. Sure. I think those are like the immediate kind of, I can do that right away anywhere where I am. And then I think the next step is kind of more fundamental. Where do I want my next, you know, 10 years to look like? But not in a kind of over-planning, like, here's where you Very linear, like, you have to do boom, boom, no, boom. but, like, what's the goal? Like, what do I think would bring me joy and make me feel alive? Like, I watched something recently where the person said, like, if you're on the right path, you know because you wake up excited to do it. Sure. I could never imagine being excited to wake up and work at my job. For a little bit there, though, you would get up early in the morning, you would write, yes. um, you would go yeah. to the gym, you would, you know, and then we fall into these ruts, if you will, and we get out of that self-love, that self-care, that maintenance. I mean, even if you did the things that, you know, the immediate stuff, but if you just kind of get back to writing, because I know that, you you know, you were doing a lot of writing beforehand. Yeah, I think the self-love thing is huge. I think it, one of the scariest things, uh, and I would say probably about a lot of people is when you fall in a rut it's really easy um to kind of say to yourself well what's the point oh yes Mm -hmm. I mean and that is one of those things and I that's why I think disrupting that and coming to California was probably the deeper goal that I wasn't aware of but it really was you need to get out of the space You need to stop living kind of in a reactive stance, right? So instead of being Mm, a very purposeful individual, it's very easy to be, okay, well, I'm a mom, so I have to be here for Raina, and I'm a wife, so I have to be here for Eric. But it's super hard to say, like, okay, these first two hours, I need to wake up at 5 a.m. so that I can... Have your me time. Meditate, and I can, you know, work out and go on a walk and be outside and then come home and be able to then be there for other people. Be more present. But it's hard to do when you're stuck in your space. Yes. So for me, I've definitely learned. I think one of the things that I will take with me is I need to disrupt my day-to-day more with traveling because I love to travel. And it's as simple as that, whether it's getting in the car and driving five hours away to a random spot just so that it's not the same like waking up to Groundhog Day. Yeah, whatever. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's not Groundhog Day. I need to spice it up a little, change it up. I mean, all of those things, I think, really help with figuring out how to find joy. And even if you get a little joy in moments, it's worth it. Right. It's a, it's, I equate it to like shifting the energy. Sure. You know, parking a different parking spot at work or taking a different route to work or going to a different coffee shop that shifts whatever could be, a, you know, whatever would happen in a well, given day or something. Well, kind of gets yeah. a stagnation, right? I yeah. Mean, you need to make it new. Oh, God, Christine who's also visiting with us. Yes. She said yesterday, and I'm not sure if it was a quote from someone or anything, but I loved it. And it was, she basically said like flowing waters heal, right? Like it's clean and it's flowing and it's beautiful. 
but water sitting in a puddle gets oh, like dirty yeah. and toxic. And I'm like that. And it attracts all the mosquitoes. Yeah, and it's gross. <laughs> so like a very interesting kind of, you know, that's kind of what humans need to do. Make sure you're flowing, make sure you're growing, make sure you're changing. Sure. So I thought that was great. That is good. So I want to ask all my guests, since this is the No Regrets podcast. Sure. So I want to ask um, two things. Like what is your definition of living with no regrets? I think everybody has a different definition of that and then if you have any like anything that you've regretted so far living with no regrets for me would mean following your intuition and I think that we all have something deep down in our gut um, that we really a lot of times do not listen to and should be listening to I also think that we spend so much time worrying about what if. Um, oh, yes. And I think we should spend more time worrying about what if we don't. Right. Um, that's one of my things. Like, never wonder what if. I think that mm-hmm. is, like, the worst regret. Just try it. You don't have to like it. You don't have to keep yeah. doing it. Just yeah. if you don't, at least you'll know what it is, what it's like. Just try it. And if you need to move back home or if you need to, you know, do whatever, at least you know. But it's that wondering in the back of your mind always, what my what would my life be like if I had done this or if I had done that? And I think on that point also, it is, I think living life with no regret is understanding that our time here is terminable. Yeah. We do not have forever. We don't even know when we have until. Right. And so I think we take it for granted. And in some Absolutely. way, living in the like Groundhog Day okay. is the biggest kind of, F you to life in the world because life is pretty magical, right? I mean, sure. the earth, yep. how many experiences you have, so how many people you can help and engage with. So I'd say like living life with no regret is understanding you're going to die. Like this will end. Like you got to right. you got to live it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were talking last night how you know, all of us, we need to stay a little humble because our coffins are going to be the same damn size no yeah. matter how much money we have or how famous we are. We're all going to be in the ground or in the ashes at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and it could be sooner rather than later. And I know that's morbid to talk about. A lot of people don't like to talk about death, but it's going to happen. And we, d- we honestly don't know. Yeah. And we, humbling the, ourselves in the face of that, I think, is actually very healthy. Yes. Yes. And I think actually my anxiety, one of my coping mechanisms in the past and, you know, even now is one, what's the worst case scenario? And two, what if I died tomorrow? Would it matter? I mean, and... Oh, yeah. Those are two really good questions. I I think that that is, again, like living life with no regrets. It's just understanding, like, we don't have forever. We don't. Right. And what do they say? Don't spend more than five minutes on something if it's not going to matter in five years or something. You know what I mean? Because so much could happen between now and then. And and I think for me, I it's about trust, but also kind of giving things space to breathe. Just take a step back and see how things kind of pan out. And I don't mean days or weeks. It could be an hour or two hours without feeling like, oh my God, I've got to do something right now. I think, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Urgency can be a little dangerous. Yeah. So sometimes just like, let's... Let's take a step back. Yeah, Yeah, let's breathe into it. And like, what are we really feeling? What what is our, like you said, our intuition guiding us to do? And I think just to kind of just make that point, that's why I went to Alaska. I can't explain it, but it was like I had to go and I could not ignore 
my soul saying, you're going. Yeah. And when I went, when I look back, I wouldn't have ended up where I needed to be if I didn't go. Sure. And I can't imagine where I'd be if I didn't go. Absolutely. So. Um, so and then we, regrets. Do I have any yes. regrets? Um, I've made mistakes, but I don't necessarily regret them. I think if there's any regret I have is to this point is probably not breaking the cycle and being too scared to, I guess. So I guess I regret more so the things I chose not to do, which I think you talk about all the time. I think I regret being so attached even now. Like I'm currently in regret that I'm so attached to security um, and a false security, right? I mean, we've talked about this. There is really no such thing as security in anything. No one knows what's going to happen tomorrow anywhere. A wave could come and wash me away, you know? (laughs) So I guess that's it. I mean, I don't really have regrets on things that I've done or things I've said. doesn't mean I don't feel bad if I did something mean or said something mean, but it just means we learn from those things. And I think the only thing I regret is maybe not trying more, doing more, saying more. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. And that I think science has proven that we regret the things that we haven't done versus the things we have. So mm-hmm. that's perfect. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time on your trip You're to welcome. do this with me. And we have a fun day planned. We're going to go hit yeah. Venice Beach. And not see anywhere else. And not- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome.